Hey guys, welcome to the Hope to Hear This podcast. Today I am joined by Jane Pack, formerly Jane Mo. She is a producer at USA Today. And I was really inspired by her ability to leverage her position to get our Asian American stories out there. We've been seeing a lot of hate crimes towards the Asian American community, really violent hate crimes in the past couple months. And so we discussed that, we talk about kind of our personal experiences and we talk about how we can mobilize as an Asian American community to get our voices heard. So thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Oh, hello, Jane. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, it's been, man, it has it been over a year since, since you were yeah. on that? <laughs> the last time we talked, there wasn't a global pandemic. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And um, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Jane's last, na- last name has changed since the last time she was here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. on your on uh, getting you. married. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm no longer... Jane Mo, I'm Jane Pack, which is so weird because, yeah, it's like Jane Mo has been my whole life and right. not a lot of people have that last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad to be Jane Pack. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny if you're a Korean who doesn't have like the typical Kim Lee or like Park last name, mm-hmm. it's it's you feel a little different. Like with Shin, Shin isn't like super rare. I feel like yeah. Mo is much more rare. But even with Shin, I always felt a little like. Oh, I'm a little different. You know? Yeah, so, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much for being on. And uh, I, the reason I actually reached out to Jane um, after seeing an uh, Instagram story that she posted. And it was, um, re- it's, it was related to a topic that's been kind of heavy on my heart for a while. I've been wanting to talk about it, but um, I've been waiting for an uh, opportunity and to kind of, what's the word, be, try to remove emotion from it a little bit, just so that mm. um, what I say isn't so hampered by my personal like emotions. Um, so yeah. w- when I saw your post, I jumped on it saying, oh, this is the opportunity. Like it's, I've been able to kind of think about it a little bit, so I don't think I'm, I'll be overly emotional about it. Um, and also, it was really encouraging on um, what you posted. So I wanted you to kind of share about about that. So just a little context. Um, you work at, for those of you guys who didn't listen to the previous episode that Jane was on, or the When I Grow Up podcast episode where Jane kind of described her career, um, Jane is a video, pro- are you still a video producer? Yes. Yeah, I'm still a producer at um usa today right mm-hmm. yes so can you kind of describe that post and like what was happening around that yeah so um, in that post uh a few of us that are a part of the asian american forward group um in within the network um and it's just a group that helps kind of support the asian american journalists within um we were given the opportunity to meet with Maribel Wadsworth, who is the president of the uh, United States president, <laughs> president of USA Today, which is like a massive honor, like massive. Um, but she really wanted to hear from Asian American journalists within her own um, company. And yeah, so 
me and a few other people got to speak to her and um, just share our story. Like she didn't, you know, she didn't want facts. She didn't want like, she just really wanted to know how we were doing emotionally. Mm. Um, so it's just a safe space for us to express ourselves and um, also go into like USA Today's coverage on everything. Um, so it was a really, it was a really awesome time. Like I never thought I'd be able to speak to the president of our company, but um, it just goes to show how much she really cared about like the situation that was happening recent, mm. like with everything going on. Mm. Yeah, and one of the gripes um, with everything happening to kind of the Asian American community in terms of, you know, like uh, hate crimes, one of the gripes I think we all had was uh, media not really covering it much, especially early on when it was happening. We only really found out about it through social media, right? Through people posting about it. Um, but I remember a lot of us saying, now, why isn't the media talking about this? So, yeah, when I saw your post and to hear that like such a big news outlet was actually interested um, in what was happening to the Asian community, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, mm. And so can you do you have a sense of why it wasn't immediately something that um, like these news companies jumped on? Because I, I would imagine if it especially after like george uh george floyd if it happened to the like black community like if there were a string of uh hate crimes happening to like black elders i feel like the news would be extensively covering it but yeah do, do you think you have a kind of a insider's uh thought on that yeah um it's a really good question and it's one that we had to ask internally as well and i think there are layers and layers to this question it's not like a it's not an easy one, mm-hmm. um, but I would say the one of the first layers is um, we, when things happen in our community, I feel like we just don't really talk about it. Um, so for example, when we were trying to pursue some of these stories, it was nearly impossible to get some of the video footages that were going around um, or to get interviews with these people because you know they wanted to be anonymous for good reason. Um, but also a lot of these things are going underreported within the community. So like if it's not being sent to police um, and other authorities, like there's no way we know about it either. You know, it's mm-hmm. like and and yeah, it's like all of these stories started to become very localized. Like if you go to San Fran or Oakland's um, stations, like they obviously were covering it. But like at a national scale, it was hard to kind of grasp the pattern that was happening because there was just such like a level of under reporting going on Mm -hmm. and just yeah I mean like I think I think we talked about this like on social media a lot but people are saying like it's almost like cruel that it's with our elders because they're like the people that don't talk about their pain and their sufferings like the most you Mm -hmm. know out of all of us and so um yeah and I think I think there was a part where like um, like, does our story matter? You know, like, mm. do people even care? And I think even when I saw what was going on, um, and I follow Next Shark, which I, I think a lot of my friends also do, but they kind of primarily cover Asian American stories in the news. Um, and I was, I saw what was going on. Even I was hesitant to bring it up in my meetings because I wasn't sure if it was a story. Like I was, mm. I was kind of like, 
would people care? Because you pitch ideas and you pitch stories that like you can kind of back it up with. This is why it will do well. You can't just like pitch whatever. Just throw sense. anything out there. Right? Yeah, like you you kind of need to prove that it will do well. Mm. Um, so I mean, it really hurt when I was when this was all happening in February and. A lot of people were like, you know, what is the news doing? Like, why aren't, why isn't this being covered? And it's like, I'm part of the news, and、right. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why aren't we doing this?、Um, so, me and a couple of other coworkers started to speak out about it, and、um, yeah, and and that's how kind of like the meeting happened with the president. But、um, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So I think、um, there are a few takeaways there.、Uh, I think the fact that you and your coworkers were talking about it, and you know, I I think the one of the important things about Asian representation. I, I think you even mentioned this in your in your story that you posted is like if you're not in the room to pitch it, then it's not going to get heard, right? So the fact that we have Asian American journalists、um, that Are aware of these stories and can speak up about it. I think is very important, right? And you know, we, we talk about diversity, and there are some people who think、uh, it's just whatever.、Um, but I think in instances like this, it's very important, right?、Um, having diverse experiences、um, amongst the people in the room pitching ideas for for stories, articles, and things like that. I think,、um, yeah, you, you just it's a much wider net that gets casted and. Yeah, and, and like you said, it prompted this conversation, and yeah, you were, you were able to post. Or, and have you guys like covered some of these stories that that were on? Yeah, so、on? so after、um, it was like the week where the ninety-one-year-old man in Oakland got pushed,、mm. um, and before this, the eighty-four-year-old man,、uh, Thai man in、um, San Francisco, got. I mean, he died from his、um, from his attack. I think at the cusp of this,、uh, me and my senior producer named Eve,、um, she's actually a co-chair of the Asian American Forward Group. We were like going back and forth and like, how can we cover this? Because we also work in a very like we work in the video sector of our team. It's not like we write the stories.、Mm. Um, so we work with reporters to make videos for their stories, and so.、Um, She was compiling like data and all like all of the attacks that were going on, and she had to send out so many emails to like a bunch of team members in different parts of the network so that、um, they could get a story going. And we did end up writing、um, a huge article on it,、um, covering like all the attacks that were going on, and the story did actually very well.、Um, and I think. It was just proof, like there are people who are interested,、mm. and like our story is worth telling, and like we should be doing this.、Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it was like really, really amazing to see, like, and like you're right, like if if even I weren't in the room, like I don't know if it would have been told. Like、yeah. it may it may have been told like months too late, you know.、Mm-hmm. Um, So like yeah, like you said, like diversity isn't just like this term we should throw out around or like a checkbox to fill, but like genuinely, like you know the stories from your community, and they are worth sharing.、Mm. Um, so yeah, that like it was just another moment where I was like, wow, like it's so important for me to be here because 
there's not a lot of Asian people in um, media to begin with. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and just to, in case there are people listening who are not Asian, who might not really understand what we're talking about, I, I want to take a, a step back to explain what's happening and kind of the reasons, the, the cultural, um, I guess, kind of the cultural foundation that kind of allowed all this to happen, right? So um, obviously we're talking about Asian hate crimes. Um, it, Jane just mentioned too, they're, they're like horrific, right? The, some of the videos yeah. I've seen, um, like people, like grandpas and grandmas just standing around getting pushed. Um, and there, I mean, there was one like early in COVID where a elderly, uh, I think, I believe Chinese man was like collecting cans and he was getting mocked and bullied. like. So many things um, were happening pro predominantly to elderly people. And just to explain the significance of that in the Eastern like Asian culture, um, yeah, elderly people are revered, right? Like we, we talk, when we um, think about status in America, it's like money or like position or, or things like that. But um, in the West, in the Eastern culture, um, most of that is actually replaced by age. Like, the older you are, no matter what position, no matter what level of wealth, you know, whatever it may be, um, yeah, we, we think of people older automatically as higher, right? Yeah. And in Korean, we actually have a different way of talking to people who are older than us. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it's a more respectful way to to address elderly people and or just anyone older than you. And yeah, we, we put a lot of... Um, uh, importance on that, and Jane, you mentioned a few few sec a few minutes ago that um, what we see, especially as uh, Asian Americans, second generation Asian Americans, we actually experienced um, or witnessed. We witnessed our um, parents, grandparents, um, struggling, sacrificing, and in pain, but not really ever talking about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Coupled with our reverence towards elderly people and um, the witnessing of all their struggles and the fact that they're not really like saying much to complain about it, I think it really struck a nerve with us this time, right? Like there have yeah. been in instances of Asian hate in the past, but this one was different because of the, the people group that are, that are being targeted. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I hope people understand that this isn't just about um, racism. It's about like cultural attacks. It's not just we're being targeted because we're Asian, but the things that we hold sacred are being attacked. Um, and yeah, so some of those, I mean, how many of those videos have you seen? Because I'm sure you, you had to research. Ooh. Yeah. That, right? um, I, ha I honestly like haven't been able to like finish them or if I can, I just like won't watch it because mm. like you said, it's I mean, you can't help but like imagine your parent in that situation and it just like makes you like almost like tear up you know mm -hmm. because it's just like why are most vulnerable of all people you mm -hmm. know um so yeah i i try to not watch it but like i mean that was also another issue as we were covering this we have a lot of um, partners that we get our videos from so these are people who specifically their job is to find videos and get rights to them so that like news outlets can get them but we couldn't find a single video um on like 
the 84-year-old man or like the 90, like these really, the ones that were going crazy on social media. And usually um, when it gets to a certain level, these companies will try to like find these videos, but like they weren't. And I mm. think there was a realization between me and my senior producer. We were like, oh my gosh, like they don't like care, <laughs> you know, mm. like, like even the places where we usually get our stuff, like, you know, so it was a lot of like working weird hours calling like the Oakland Chinatown Chamber of Commerce and like trying to like wow. figure out how to get our hands on these videos because yeah like nobody was helping us in a mm. sense like like the usual sources of where these videos would arise mm. um yeah wow so not not only do people not really talk about it but all the sources aren't really talking about it either so I, even there i guess in those organizations like having a jane mo or i'm sorry a jane pack in those organizations <laughs> would have been helpful right um someone to voice hey like maybe we should be tracking these videos down so that we can you know give the sources to the news outlets and things like that yeah right? definitely wow. it's like it's it's honestly and like the reason you do that, like the reason you start tracking any video is because you see a worth in that story. Like mm. whether you think it'll go viral or it's a story worth telling, like you saw out after certain videos because you think it's worth your time. You think that people will pick it up. Mm. Um, and I mean, like maybe some people really didn't know, like when we were talking about it in our pitch meetings, like a, the majority of the room didn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what um, is even more heartbreaking about the situation is I, I can't help but think about previous generations of Asian Americans in this country that didn't have people in the places that we, we have, where we have Asian Americans now. Yeah. So, you know, because like, you're you're educated in the states, so you you have all the you have the advantages and and the opportunities to be in newsrooms. But our, our parents or our grandparents, when they came here with nothing, you know, they they really didn't have the opportunities to be in those rooms, right? Yeah. So I can sure. only imagine the things that went unsaid, unheard, Unseen. untold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Not recorded, not on camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think. Um, as I was talking, um, I like, so there was a video that I had sent David prior um, to us recording this podcast. And it was a video that we covered right um, on March 2020 when like the start of COVID was happening. And we started to see um, these stories of like microaggressions happening to our friends and our families. Um, and that video, like, it was honestly really hard to make because. The whole time, I'm also still thinking, like, is anybody going to care, you know, of mm. a, of, it's like a, it's like, it's just a bunch of stories weaved in together, you know? Yeah. Um, and that video got like 9 million views on Facebook and yeah. it was one of the top performing videos of that year on Facebook, um, on our site. And it's just kind of like, I think I had to keep breaking this idea that like, people don't care or that like it's not worth telling mm -hmm. like I even struggle with that as like an Asian American you know yeah um but like 
yeah, all this to say like our stories are so worth telling and like there is an audience that is hungry to know what is going on. Um, and this new generation like needs bigger outlets to cover our stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in terms of getting people to be more receptive to what's happening to us, I think we definitely need to make more noise, whether it be through social media or I think this is really important, actually reporting hate crimes. Um, I, yeah. I think um, so. The statistic I saw recently was since COVID, um, the Asian American hate crimes went up like 1600% or something like that. Something, yeah. something ridiculous. It's like something ridiculous. Yeah. And it was, I think it was specific to New York, um, the stat that I saw. But I couldn't help but wonder if that was actually that much increase in Asian American hate crimes or if people are just now reporting it, realizing that, hey, this is a serious issue and we need to start reporting it. Because yeah. I, I, I bet you there's so many people who who got um, who faced Asian American like, who faced hate crime and didn't mm -hmm. even know that it was a hate crime. And so didn't like report it. Yeah. So, I mean, Most do definitely. you do you get a sense that people are are trying to be more vocal now because of this or? Yeah, I mean, there was um... A, a lady who recently uh, outlets have started to interview her because she made like pamphlets in like I think seven to eight different languages on how to report a crime mm. um, because I think like yeah like there is a and then there was a story done last year by CBS in Atlanta um, and they were talking to like authorities about some hate crimes happening and their main message was like this is being underreported mm. and we cannot implement any change unless we have data on it mm. you know and that's when it like kind of clicked for me i was like it's not about like you reporting it and like something necessarily happening for you you know because like that's rarely going to happen in some of these cases yeah. and i think that's the deterrence for a lot of us not wanting to report it it's like mm. What's the point? It already happened. It's too late. It doesn't matter. But it's like it does because then your story is reported. It is counted somewhere. It is data that can actually implement changes and laws and like support for places if we need it. Um, so it is like it is very important for us to report incidences. And I would say even like to go on social media and talk about if something happened to you um because yeah like if we keep staying silent it's like it's just gonna keep happening you know and nothing yeah. is going to change and we need to we need to keep talking about it yeah and as a data as a person who works with data yeah data is what mm. makes companies even like big companies data yeah. is what makes companies move you know so a hundred percent like if if we wanted there to be some sort of task force for stopping asian american hate crimes then like they need data to um, make that case to say, hey, this is worthwhile yeah. to do because look at how much of this is happening. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so do you think um, that there is a level of I, I don't even want to approach the authorities because I am a like, I feel like I'm still a foreigner um, that I don't really because and sorry. Let me explain myself before I ask the question. So I imagine like my parents, right? Um, they've mm -hmm. been living here for 20 plus years now, but yeah. um, their, their English is like 
sur survival mode at best. Like, <laughs> they have enough English to survive, but yeah. um, I mean, they're still fluent. I mean, their main language um, is Korean, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so I, when I imagine something like this happening to one of my parents, I can imagine them saying, man, I can't believe that happened to me. But like, I don't really feel comfortable approaching the authorities about this. Um, yeah. And I, even if I did approach the authorities, I don't know if I can, you know, verbalize, like explain, articulate what actually happened. And I'm afraid of what's going to happen after the fact. Um, like maybe yeah. people are going to like, do you think there's any of that at play here? Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, in Korean, the phrase is kichana. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, and I could totally see that happening with my parents too. Like they've lived here like most of their lives, but they don't speak English that well because they're always working in like businesses with other immigrants, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like they don't have opportunities to learn English. And I think there's just a level of like, like just grit mm -hmm. with immigrants especially and so like they just don't let anything phase them and and some of it is like it could be really hurtful for the next generation right like we felt the repercussions of some of that um and i think yeah that that could be a huge deterrence um so i think that's why that like that lady who made the pamphlet is like pretty genius because like it's in their language mm -hmm. which is like the huge barrier mm -hmm. um and so now they can learn how to report it but there's yeah there's definitely once again a lot of layers as to why elders wouldn't want to report on it so i think the solution to also some of this is like the generation like behind them needs to help them in this yeah. uh, a lot of the stories that came out um i remember there was like a grandma who was getting robbed in front of her house I believe also in Oakland and her, uh, her granddaughter was like tweeting about it and like talking about it. And I think that's where we need to step in. Like we have tools like social media to get our stories out um, mm -hmm. that our parents might not have. And I think this is a way that we can kind of fight on their behalf and do things that they don't know how to do. Like they don't, they don't know how to tweet or they don't know how to do all the stuff that we know how to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, again, we want to really emphasize the fact that um, if you do face any sort of hate crimes, you need to report it. Um, like Jane was saying, chances are um, like nothing will happen in, in terms of finding, the, finding or even punishing the perpetrators. But um, at the very least, it does get the, the data point gets put into the system and um, that can help other Asian Americans. So, yeah, it's it's not just about you. I think it's it's a, like a duty to exactly. your community. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um and since COVID has started, you know, it's it's been a year since like lockdown mm -hmm. started. Do you have you personally felt any sort of microaggressions or or racism? You know, it's crazy. So up till this point, I never have. Um, there were definitely times I was like afraid, but nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but Chuni, my husband, so weird, my husband and I, um, we were on our little mini moon in Florida just this past week and, um, we were wearing masks outside the car because we were getting ready to pack our stuff and go to the beach. And we just saw that a lot of people were coming in and out and we're just still trying to be safe, you know? Mm. Um, so we wore masks and we were getting things out of the car and then a truck 
passed by us, but the window was rolled down and they coughed at us. Like they coughed as they were passing by us. And it was one of those situations where, and I think this is, this is what microaggressions are, right? Like you don't quite know if it was like, I was like, did I just get hate crimes or like, or is that man just like itchy, you know? Um, but it's, I think it's like a gut feeling where you're like, something just felt really wrong. Cause like throughout the trip, there were people who were like coughing and like, you know, doing things, but it just felt really, um, intentional Mm. that like, you know, we were like, the only two Asian people at the beach we're getting our stuff out we're also one of the only two people wearing masks mm-hmm. um, and it just felt a little too coincidental for him to just be driving and then rolling the window down and coughing like super loud yeah, yeah. like he was making a statement um, but yeah, that was actually like my first experience um, with anything like that. Mm-hmm. But so funny, because even as I'm telling you this, I'm like, maybe I'm like, maybe I misinterpreted the situation. I'm like trying to downplay it or trying to justify mm. what had happened. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I felt really like dirty inside. Like that's yeah. the best way I could put it. Yeah. Um, it's funny because um, my wife, when, when this all first started, it was actually at the Las Vegas trip that we all went together. Oh, really? Um, uh-huh. Um, when we ran the marathon, um, we were coming back. And I remember we, we went through check, uh, the security check. And my wife usually, like Shirley, she doesn't really ever complain about anything. She's usually just like, oh, like she she likes to see the best in people. Yeah. But after, I, so I went through first and then she came in after me and she said, huh, that, that was kind of weird. And I was like, I said, mm-hmm. what? And she said, I've been looking at the guy at the security checkpoint and everything was normal. Like he didn't act mm-hmm. weird because she was watching like since because there's a line that gets formed. So many people pass um, before her. But she said when we passed, like after we passed the checkpoint, he got out like the like sanitizer oh and sprayed it. Gosh. So. Like even her, she was like, well, maybe he just does it like every 10 people. And we just happen to be the 10th like people, you know, Shirley's like counting. after. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was really early on because this was in February. Like we were yeah, still like, we didn't know yet. Yeah. We, we didn't had know yet. just heard about, you know, this uh, virus that's in Wuhan. Yeah. And so um, I'm sure there was a lot some ignorance there, too. Like just didn't mm-hmm. they didn't know what like we know now right there was compared to what we knew then we know like so much right so yeah most definitely yeah so i mean a little bit of that too but then yeah in that moment i guess like you were saying that's what a microaggression is right it's we didn't know what to make of it but there was like a feeling of huh like that was yeah you're just like (laughs) i don't feel good (laughs) yeah yeah and yeah i think those are the things um that given our cultural background, it's so easy to just kind of bury inside and try to forget about mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. And in fact, I think that time, this might be the first time I actually like really spoke on this story. Like, I don't think I ever told wow. anybody this, maybe one or two yeah. people before, but I think uh, even my wife, like right after it happened, like 10 minutes after she said, you know, I'm sure it was nothing. I'm sure he was yeah. just 
So um, yeah, I really encourage everybody um, to speak on the things that you go through, um, things that happen to you. I think yeah, it's so important to get our story told because, like you were saying, it's our story is worth telling. It's it's yeah, um, and yeah, like nine million views for, on that video that you produced. That's that's crazy, you know. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I just really hope that we as Asian Americans understand that our story is worth telling and for people who are not asian americans i really hope that they understand that our story is worth listening to and worth hearing mm. um so yeah that's yeah and you know as i was talking about it, i remembered one more thing um this was really early on as well but mm -hmm. we made an appointment for one of those like doctors that come to your house and do like checkups for you yeah and i I remember we made an appointment and we were trying to see if we could get it done earlier that day. It was the day of the appointment, but um, because we wanted to do something. So we, we tried to get our appointment pushed up. But when we called, they said, oh, the doctor is at another patient right now. So they can't come to you until the designated time. So we we're like, OK, that's mm -hmm. fine. But then after that, they give us another call saying our doctor is sick and won't be able to come to your appointment. Mm -hmm. But this is this was another person that called us to tell us this and we were like oh that's interesting and then we kind of didn't think about it all day and shirley said you know shin is obviously an asian last name yeah and she was and then she said and what kind of doctor goes to see a patient when they're sick right yeah and so like we made the connection oh i wonder if this doctor like canceled on this because the, the doctor saw that mm. like and again like I, I'm, I'm doing this thing but it, this was really early on you know there were people yeah, in wuhan like sure. like fainting right like there were crazy videos in wuhan yeah um so maybe like maybe some of us thought that um like joe rogan he actually said like people thought that coronavirus was going to kill like 10 percent of the um population like when we didn't know anything about it we thought it, it could have been super deadly right so I can kind of understand, but then at the same time, there is that feeling of, man, like, so I guess if you're Asian during a Asian related virus, <laughs> you can't get health checkups. Like, I guess this is the country. So yeah, like there are things I think our community um, kind of have baggage. Like we, we've kind of kept it away, but I, I think it is time to start being more vocal um, about it because, um, yeah, it's not just affecting us anymore. It's, it's affecting our, our elders. So. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's this like concept of being a perpetual, perpetual foreigner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember when I was, um, so basically for that video that we did last March, we asked a bunch of, um, Asian Americans from all over America, um, coast to coast to send in any stories that they've had of microaggressions and, there was this one interview, um, I think it was a lady in New York, and she was just like on the brink of tears. And she's like, we're scared, too. Like, we're scared. We don't want to get sick, too. You know, we're worried about our family, too. Like, yeah. this isn't this isn't like like I'm like I'm I want to be a part of this like unit, you know, like yeah. and it was just like such a desperation of like. Yeah, like I'm not the disease like right. um it was really sad and it was really it was really interesting too because in that video a man he was like a comedian that we um 
interviewed and he made like this funny skit of like him like coughing at a gym and then everybody like scatters around and at the time he was like i'm afraid these microaggressions are going to turn into something a lot more aggressive and you know at the time i couldn't imagine anything like that but i mean here we are now with all of these crazy things happening um you know you know what one thing though i don't understand is all the microaggressions and things that me and my wife predominantly felt or, or faced, it was early on. And even your video, you know, it was people yeah, speaking was on early. it early. And, you know, you can kind of give them a pass saying, oh, they were just ignorant about the actual virus, right? But we're a year in. Um, we pretty much know everything there is to know about COVID. Vaccines are out. Um, and a, a lot of states are actually lifting some of the, the restrictions, right? So yeah. it feels like we're kind of on our way out of this whole mess. But mm-hmm. but then at the same time, I feel like Asian American hate crimes is worse than ever, right? So like, yeah. what do you think is happening there? It's a scapegoat. Um, their racism has always been there. Mm. It's it's an excuse now, though, right, to lash out. Um, and I mean, before this, there was an administration who called it like the China virus and things Kung like that. Fu, and so, yeah. um, you know, like there was just an there was just an atmosphere and a culture of letting things just rise to the top. And I, yeah, like I think it just gave permission for people to be public about it. But I don't think it like. I don't think it's that all of a sudden it formed because of COVID. I think, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's dormant in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like the perfect storm for it to come up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what, that you know, a lot of people say during this time, it's like, it's just a lot of revealing things of um, like in America and America's sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is just one of those things where, yeah, it's a, it's a scapegoat, but it's always been there like there's always a level of like you look very different mm. and you always will never belong here you know yeah yeah and that's and i really want to speak to the people who aren't asian american about this i isn't it time that you guys accept us like um <laughs> right because i mean i think in atlanta georgia it's a little different because well, I think like the Chinese Americans are like in like the third, fourth generation. Mm-hmm. Korean Americans were pretty much in the second generation. Second. Yeah. Um, but places like LA, uh, like Virginia, you know, New York, Chicago, I think um, we're like all the Asian Americans are in kind of the second, third, fourth generation level. So like we've been around a long time. It's not like we all got on a boat and suddenly appeared like five years ago. Right. You know, there have been generations of Asian Americans and they genuinely don't have a home anywhere else. You know, there, there are people whose grandparents like Asian Americans whose grandparents were born in America. Yeah. And they can go to China, Korea, Japan, wherever. But there's yeah. there's no home there. Their home is here. For sure. Um. So I just I, I hope people who can't relate to that can just think about it and put their Put themselves in that position how would you feel if your home the place that you are home at if the people around you are asking you where your home is 
as if, <laughs> as if it's not as if it's impossible that your home is a place that you're currently at you know yeah um yeah did you um oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say it's frustrating but go ahead did you um because you're a few years older than me and you grew up in georgia your um, most of that time or all of your life most of my life yeah most of your life did you ever face um racism or how, how was like middle school and high school for you um yeah a little bit so oh well so again this is kind of ignorance based racism um there was a lot of like people confusing me for other people like and then that just <laughs> i kind of understand it you know to a uh -huh. i guess to an untrained eye we all look the same but then it made me feel some sort of way you know like no, no, yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? that's like, not okay. <laughs> well, what, what is happening? Like, do I like really look like these people? Because when I look at them, I'm like, we look so different, you know, like, um, yeah, so there was a little bit of that. So but it, I will say this, it was a little different because um, from kindergarten to sixth grade, I, I lived in L.A. Um, mm -hmm. And there was there's way more Korean Americans, Asian Americans in L.A. Um, than there yeah. are here in Georgia. Like, yeah. in fact, one of the weird things was Atlanta, Georgia, when I came here, there was barely any like Japanese Americans, but in yeah. LA, there's tons, you know? Um, mm. So in LA, I was, I was really comfortable in LA. Um, um, it was to the point where like, if you, one time I, I made a prank call doing random numbers and a Korean person picked up, like, <laughs> it was like, so like I felt at home, I mean, there was a huge Korean American community there, but yeah, when I did come to Georgia, um, when I was in sixth grade, which was in like two thousand, in like two thousand two thousand one ish, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there, there was this like, uh, yeah. Oh, you look like all the other Asian Americans over there. So like, and I remember my teacher, um, like, oh my god, pairing me or like kind of guiding me toward the other Asian American kids. Me too. But then, they, anytime they made seating charts, I was always next to Asian kids. Yeah. And that's how I made all my friends. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my first day, like, because I came mid-semester. Um, my uh -huh. first day is sixth grade here. Uh, my teacher paired me with another Korean kid. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful, though, because he's, like, still one of my best friends. Uh, oh, wow. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew. <laughs> um, um, but it was weird, though, like... I, it's not like there was a language barrier. I can understand if I couldn't speak English and she was like, oh, yeah. you have a helper who can help translate for you. But you know, I spoke fluent English. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, there, there, there are things that I think even with good intentions, um, that people do that you kind of see it from our perspective and we're like, huh, that's, that's odd. We're, I guess we are yeah. still kind of like different from everybody else. You know? Yeah. For sure. Wait, did, so what about you? What are your experiences with racism? Growing I up? actually did face a ton of racism in middle school and high school. I think middle school is when I first became aware of my race. And I also think that's when all the kids also became aware of my race. But I grew up in Gwinnett County and there is a good group of, there is like a good amount of um, Asian people, but it's like predominantly white. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were so many instances that I can think of, but I think the the one that like really stuck with me is when I was in high school, I was in PE um, gym class and 
I was sitting by myself because I didn't have any friends in this class and I was just chilling, not wanting to run. And there was a huge group of white girls like right next to me and they were all talking. Um, there was this one real, like really sweet girl and she was like, I think it'd be like so cool to be like Asian for a day. Like I just like, I like just like love the culture and blah, blah, blah. She said this out loud and all the girls were like, ew, like why would you want to be Asian? And like, gosh. And like one or two of them looked at me, but they didn't care. Like there was just like, they didn't care that I was there. And I was like, I remember as a kid, I was just like, whatever, like, whatever. Like, I'm so cool, whatever. But like, it was so painful to hear that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember going into the locker room and that girl who had made the statement, like, I want to be Asian for a day. Like she came up to me. She's like, hey, I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know? And I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, it's cool, whatever. But yeah, like, it's just, like, all of high school, you struggle with wanting to be white, you know? Mm. I remember all the Asian kids would, like, do these stupid counts of, like, who had the most white friends as if that, like, validated your worth, you know? Um, And there was just, like, this deep need to be white. Mm. And just, like, not Asian. Like, it wasn't cool, you know? Like, there was, like, a lot of Asians didn't want to hang out with Asians and, like... We just didn't want to be a part of the group. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I, I faced a lot of that during my time in high school for some reason. Yeah, I, I remember in middle school, um, one of the kind of badges of honor for amongst us guys was if you could get a non-Korean or non-Asian girlfriend, then that yeah, was... Yeah, like why is that a thing? Yeah. I, I, it's crazy. Like I just thinking about it now, now I realize, man, I can't believe... We would do that to our like own people, <laughs> like like <laughs> dang, like it's so crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, like it's it's so ingrained that you don't realize how messed up it is, because like that's just how it was. Yeah. Like you don't you don't think twice about it until you grow up, and you have to grapple with your identity, and then you're like, ooh, like why did I want to be white so badly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's. It's so sad because that's such a pivotal time in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. But we, like, we're almost forced to not celebrate our own heritage and our own yeah, cultures. Yeah, like, it wasn't cool. Yeah, and you know, like, we all had those, uh, like, bringing Korean food for lunch to school, <sighs> like, where, like, people would, like, make fun of us and we would, like, yeah. go home crying and saying, no, you... you Mom, you can only pack Don't me. pack this! Oh. Lunchables only! <laughs> only sandwiches. Nothing that smells yeah. funny. Yeah. Ham and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It's... Yeah. It's... it's. It breaks my heart thinking about it. Especially because I have a daughter. Um, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. But we're expecting another daughter uh, in September. So, like, I don't want to leave a world where they're going to feel shame um, because of culture that they're a part of because of you know their skin color and you know any other languages that they might know right yeah it was uh uh-huh i was gonna say and i think language is another big component of this it's like race Mm. is one thing but i think the language barriers um that come with it i think um causes a lot of issues and this is a story actually from la I, i i said that la was comfortable but one of my most traumatic experiences happened in LA. <laughs> <laughs> we were outside, so we were living in an apartment. Uh, me, uh-huh. my brother, and my mom were sitting outside in our car 
actually we were waiting for my brother to come to the car because he had to go get something and my mom had her window opened up like this much and these kids were just kind of standing in the corner in front of our car they threw the water balloon at my mom so she got splashed because the window was open wow. and mm -hmm. we knew exactly where they lived in the complex so we went to the apartment like uh manager to like complain to them and so like they were like do you know where they live and we said yes and obviously this is me and my brother translating everything because my mom couldn't speak english and so they were like okay let's go talk to them so we all like went to that house to confront them um but like when they opened the door when they answered they were like what are you talking about we didn't do anything like why would you listen to them like she can't oh even speak gosh. the language like can she even tell you what happened yeah so like oh that makes my blood boil yeah so we i mean we basically couldn't do anything like we just had to yeah. go home and just i remember me and my brother just being so oh upset my, like shaking with anger yeah like especially because like, cause, like so my, much injustice my dad was living in atlanta at the time like on like starting up mm. his business so we just like we were supposed to be like our mom's protector right yeah but, um yeah that that I remember that happening um, and for the longest time, I didn't think it had anything to do with race, um, but I realized, mm. you know, they like this wouldn't have happened to like a white person, you know, they Yeah, someone who knows the language who can like hold you accountable. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's gosh, I hate that. and I. And yeah. then like now, like all of this is happening around us again. And but, you know, that's relatively harmless, right? Like a water balloon thrown at us. But they're like, our people are getting like physically attacked. And a lot of them are like dying because of these attacks. So, gosh, mm. it's just bringing up all sorts of trauma and all, all sorts of definitely uh, things. Yeah. Sorry, you were, you were going to say something. I cut you off. Yeah, I was just saying it was like, um, Trudy and I talk about this all the time because, um, what was I covering? There, what, was it the Oscars? It was, I was, oh, I was covering the Oscars and this was like, I think February before pandemic hit and Bong Juno had just won like best picture, best director, best international, like, you know, and this is also at the cusp of BTS, like taking over America and like, to all the boys I love had like this lead Asian girl mm -hmm. act like everything was like wow like I think for the first time I was like man I would love to be a teenager growing up during this time mm -hmm. I'd be so cool in high school and I like felt this like just like deep like awe of like the history of like growing up in America and like it being finally so accepted and so like ch like loved you know and I think it was just like so crazy how as like at the height of of it almost, right? Like it was like this happened yeah. and and I was just like, whoa, what a weird feeling of like going backwards in some ways. Yeah. You, you know, it, yeah, it felt it, it felt really like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, because it only took one year, um, one year from a Korean film like made in South Korea to win Best Picture to now Minari being disqualified for like only being uh, nominated to like best foreign and international. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, but it's like it was produced here. Like it's a American Asian American story. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Steven Yun, the lead actor of that movie, said it really well when he said, 
I wonder if the Asian American experience is to be, you know, the someone who's like, in, I forget the words he used to be concerned about everyone else, but not having anyone be concerned about us. And yeah, like you care about everyone else's story, but nobody cares about yours. Yeah, and yeah, it's it is a little disheartening. Um, the fact that we're the ones, we're the only ones, kind of making noise and trying to get um, the country's attention on this. Um, but yeah, I'm really hoping that that's going to turn around and that we can get more of a unified front um, to to yeah, because stomp out racism in all all its forms, right? Because it's not just about um, what's good for Asian Americans. It's it's about what's good for our country, you know. Um, definitely, yeah. and it is it is definitely gaining traction with like um, Biden like addressing it in a prime time um, address, and like I mean, huge companies were speaking out against it, like Nike, Nike and yeah. ESPN and all of them. But um, I would say like the biggest thing I would love to see just for myself is for my direct community to not be afraid to be like bothersome about it like i feel like so much of our culture is don't step on any toes don't burden people don't be annoying like just you know what i mean yeah yeah. like just don't be anything (laughs) don't take up space and i think um that's the thing that i want to continue to break in our community and i think we have made great strides but like Yeah, I think so many of us just hold back because we don't want to do X, Y, and Z, but like we have to, you know, we have to if we want to see a better future for our children. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I'm going to speak to kind of my target audience um, for Asian Americans who have parents here in the States. You, I think we have a duty. Um, We need to be more proactive in letting them know that there are ways to report hate crimes, um, to let them know that it's they're not burdening us by letting us know about these things. You know, like we should be more than happy to help them, you know, report crimes as, as they happen. Um, and yeah, like we should be checking up on them constantly to make sure that they are safe, um, especially in areas where these hate crimes are happening. Um, yeah, I, I think... As much as a heart is being broken, I think it should f- that that hurt should be fueling action, um, and I think one of the things is to to help our parents, our grandparents, um, who feel helpless, um, so that they know that there are avenues that they can take, and for ourselves as well. Um, yeah, like like you were saying, Jane. Like, were you were you born in America? I was born in Korea, but I came to Cali when I was one. Oh, okay. So pretty much, you pretty much I was basically born here. Yeah, yeah. Like, and me, I I was born in Korea, but I moved when I was like five, six. So pretty much just grew up in America. But even though we are just, you know, pretty much American raised, we have so much of our culture, and there's so many great things about it. But one of the things is, um, it's about the collective, not the individual. Individual. So we tend to yeah. suppress a lot of our selves because of that but i think um, if ever there was a moment that we needed to ignore that instinct it's now um so yeah definitely all of you asian americans out there um yeah let's let's make some noise let's let's not lash out in anger um or just in in emotion but let's let's be you know logical let's let's be reasonable and let's take all the right avenues 
um, like report Definitely. hate crimes, you know, um, post on social media. Don't be afraid to, even if they are kind of those like, you know, like kind of like, you don't really know if it was an actual microaggression or not, you know, like, let's, mm -hmm. let's not be afraid to call those things out. Um, you know, I, I have this kind of fantasy of someone um, being like showing me microaggression and like a, a white person or someone of a different race saying, like stepping up and saying, hey, that's not okay and standing up for me. Like, I would love to see that. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I am now like starting to realize that they actually might not catch it. They act, yeah. it, it probably would be hard for them to catch that it's a microaggression. So um, I, I think we need to at least uh, stand up for ourselves. Um, and, you know, like when we see it happening to our friends or ourselves, I think we need to speak out and say, hey, like, I don't know if you realize, but that wasn't okay. Like that made me feel like a foreigner in a country that's supposed to be my own. And yeah, that's, it's racism. And I, I hope that you don't do that in the future. I think those conversations need to be normalized and that we need to be bold and, and not afraid to say those things. Because um, if you can do that in those moments, um, you, you never know what other evolved snowballed form of racism you're stopping at its roots. Um, Definitely. Yeah, because you're right. Yeah. Early on, it was all these microaggressions, but it took a year and we were seeing you know, actual violence happening. You know, people being pushed. Yeah. Um, like mm. businesses being vandalized. And I don't know if you saw this, but in Lawrenceville, um, at a movie theater in Lawrenceville, someone wrote. Yeah, someone wrote in the car. Yeah, spray painted yeah. A, a, a derogatory uh, term on, on the side. Like that, mm -hmm. that, it's just. Like in Lawrenceville, it's like K-Town. <laughs> yeah. The, the plaza there, that's um, the gym that I used to go to pre-COVID. Like I used to go there yeah. like every night. Yeah. So. The movie. Yeah, yeah. I'd always go to that movie theater to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, the, the movie tavern. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, I would yeah. Um, one thing that yeah, so like, as a as somebody who works in news, there's a lot of times where I need these stories like from my community. So I'm sure you've seen, but like I'll post on like Instagram or something like, hey guys, if you've experienced something like this, like please reach out to me. Like we need people to speak on camera. We need people to share their stories and. I usually get like zero to one response if I'm mm. lucky. And I think um, like those are the opportunities that I would love for our community to take more seriously. Obviously, I don't want you to make up stuff. If it only happened to you, you should speak up. But like, yeah, like we just don't want to, we just don't want to like go to that, you know, mm. and we don't want to speak up. We don't want to be the face for it, be on camera, talk about it. Um, and I'm sure you feel like that doing these podcasts sometimes, like, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to like be on camera. I don't want to talk, but I think like, those are the very steps that we need to take in order to do something about it. Like, because yeah, like there's so many, like, I didn't want to speak, um, in certain aspects of my company mm -hmm. on these issues. Cause it's really personal. It's really emotional, but like, if not me, then who, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like if you see those opportunities to share your story or to be the voice or to be the face, like take it, like we need you, you know? Yeah. Like, and it, and it won't be someone else will take care of it. Like, don't think like that mentality does not work. Yeah. Cause everybody thinks like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah. Just, yeah.
praying for boldness in a different way in our community, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, like you set a really good example because you speaking um, and, and making moves at your workplace got you to talk to your like, the president of your organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so now that he's aware of it, you know, they're like, I'm sure he can help green light more of these stories and, and bring it more to the forefront. So, yeah, like it's not just speak for the sake of speaking. It, it actually can have an impact and it will have an impact. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Well, yeah, Jane, thank you so much um, for talking to me. Um, um, I, yeah, I know I kind of sprung it on you like during your entire like wedding planning and, and mini moon <laughs> season. So I apologize for that. No, uh, no, no. But yeah, I, I think this was a this is such an important conversation to have. And I'm, I'm hoping that it encouraged Asian Americans and I, I'm hoping it in, enlightened non-Asian Americans, um, for especially for the ones who, who weren't really aware of what was happening. Um, but before we close up, um, was there anything that uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about regarding this that we didn't get to cover? Uh, no, I think I just I just want to keep encouraging. But like, um, I would say that you don't need to know everything that's been going on to speak on this. Mm. Um, you don't need to have all the facts you don't need to have a record of the statistics or i think those are sometimes the things that bar us from actually speaking up it's like mm -hmm. i don't know what's going on i don't know you know and you just feel kind of like not qualified to speak but i i really think it's just using your platform like and everybody has a platform right like if you have instagram you have a platform yeah. um to just share your stories and to be real with your people and to help people understand what you might be going through as you're seeing all of this news. Um, but yeah, just don't feel like you have to have it all together to, to speak up on it for the first time. Yeah, for sure. Would be my like last word of encouragement. Yeah, and to, to double up on that encouragement, if anybody wants to use this podcast as a platform, uh, I'm more than willing to... Um, yeah, let you use it as a platform. So yeah, let's. But like Jane was saying, everyone has a platform. So let's not be afraid to use it. Um, so yeah, Jane, again, thank you so much for being on today and speaking to us. And guys, if you have any feedback, any questions or any stories you want to share, um, please feel free to email me at ihthcpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at I hope they hear this or on Twitter at IHTHD Podcast. And you can find this video on YouTube. Um, Jane, did you know that I was recording video? <laughs> yeah, I actually looked it up on YouTube. Chuni is like your number one fan. <laughs> he he goes on YouTube and watches all the videos. Oh. And every, every weekend, he, we have to listen to your podcast. <laughs> he is like, he's your number one fan. <laughs> he's awesome. He's He's uh, been keeping me going with his encouragements. Um, so he's- Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show like you don't know the reach that you have <laughs> until you know so yeah yeah you you for sure have one loyal loyal <laughs> follower yeah. tell chini i love him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well uh yeah again thank you so much for being on and, and thank you guys so much for listening and i uh, will talk to you next time